What's up, everyone, and thanks again for listening to the New York Sports Feed Podcast. I am Rich Piazza. You can find me on Twitter at Rich P Fantasy and at SportsBeatNY. And for you fantasy football fans, go and follow at FantasyShed underscore com and check out that very same website as well. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and pretty much wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Big show plan for today. We're going to talk about the Jets, the Giants, uh, the recent draft from over the weekend. We'll also get into a little bit about the Red Hot Knicks. Maybe let Eric Frank touch on his New York Mets. That's right. Eric is here, fresh off of his Cinco de Mayo chicken burrito. Eric, say hi. It looks like Eric froze. We'll see if he's even there. Eric, you there? I'm here, yeah. All right. Say hi. Hey, how you doing? All right. Guess what? Eric's not the only one that is here with me today as we welcome in Sports Talk Hank. Hank Hutton. Hank, welcome and tell us where we can find you on Twitter. What's up, Rich? Uh, you can find me at hhutton1020 on Twitter and Instagram and pretty much everywhere. Awesome. See that, Eric? He knows exactly where to find him right away and not have to think about it. Yeah, it was a mistake that first time, but we're all good now. <laughs> I asked Eric, Hank, if you don't know, I asked Eric, you know, where to find him. He's like, I really don't know. So luckily I, I had it written down for him just in case that happened. All right. So let's get going. Uh, we'll start with the Jets only because they had an earlier pick and they also took a quarterback with that pick. We'll also give Hank a chance to get some more sips in of his beer. Um, and as expected, Zach Wilson out of BYU was the pick. It was well-documented. And it's well documented also that I absolutely love this kid. Wanted the Jets to go in this direction from the minute they lost out on Trevor Lawrence. And Eric, we're going to start with you here. I know we talked a little bit about this in the Jets draft preview show, but it's now official. So give me your thoughts. Rich, I am thrilled. Uh, We talked about it the first time. Um, Zach Wilson was the pick that I wanted all along. I know that he was felt the same way. Uh, the Jets did everything they needed to to uh, do their research on him, make sure he was the guy that they wanted, and you know they just they took him at number two, and I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. I was happy he was there, and um, you know we'll talk about what they did around him to make sure that he's going to have a successful career with the Jets. Yeah, and I know even though it was pretty much said that they were going Zach Wilson, you know you and I are watching the draft together at least round one and. There was still that little, you know, we still weren't sure, right? So it was it was kind of a relief when they did finally announce his name. And now, Hank, I know you're on the Giants side of things, but is there anything you want to say about the Jets and the pick of Wilson? Yeah, I mean, at two, it was I, that was a given. I think you had to take Wilson. Even throughout the college season in the fall, I was saying that Wilson's got to be the guy after Lawrence. Um, he looked good all year. Um, I'm not really big into that level of competition thing. I don't think that's as big as a deal as people make it out to be, especially recently. You have Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, Trey Lance, all these people that went to small schools and have done well or hopefully will do well in the NFL. And I, I think it was a good pick. I know what you're saying, where if you're not sure, especially with the Jets, you never know what they're going to do. But uh, I think it was a great move by them and smart move overall. Yeah, you know, and the level of competition is is one of uh, I, I told I told Eric this last time on the last show. I think it's such a weak argument. And if you look at, uh, you know, the quarterbacks who come from these big schools, right? Some of them like, you know, um, Alabama, Ohio State and such who play that high level competition in games as well as in practice. And they're not succeeding in the NFL, in the NFL. 
So it's it's you know that competition thing just really bothers me when people go to that. By the way, Hank, you were you were pretty quiet on Twitter during the draft. Was that thing all right? Yeah, I actually wasn't angry, so uh, I wasn't uh, firing off any anger tweets. I was just sitting back and um, enjoying the show. You know, the the draft didn't go as as I wanted to with the Giants early. Not as much quarterbacks went early, but I think they actually handled it well for once. So I think uh, both our Jets and Giants did uh, pretty well on yeah, Thursday night. Definitely, we're going to get into the Giants in a little bit. So moving on with pick number twenty three of the Jets, that turns into pick number fourteen. And I'm going to take my victory lap here. Okay. I mocked the Jets trading up to pick number 14. And mock drafts are impossible. And when you predict trades, it's even more impossible. So I will take that victory lap. I had the wrong player at 14. I had Rashawn Slater going there. Instead, it was Elijah Vera Tucker. And I think it. Personally, I, I love the pick. I'm happy what they gave up. They gave up two third rounders, and we'll get more on that as we look at, at the next couple of picks that they made. But apparently that was their guy. They wanted their guy, and they solidified now that left side of the line with Mekhi Becton, and I, I think it had to be done because there's no guarantee that he would have been there. Eric, what do you think? You know, we were watching it together, and I saw that trade come through, and, you know, I guess maybe you weren't watching at the time when we saw that the Jets were on the clock, and, you know, we both were – Completely shocked by it. Um, yeah, I, my, I, I missed it. You pointed out that the Jets won the clock. I had no idea. Yeah, my um, initial reaction was, you know, I thought the price was high to give up two third rounders to move up. But after the pick was made, after kind of seeing how everything worked out, you know, they really needed to get Vera Tucker. Um, Joe Douglas didn't do anything in free agency regarding the line. So they really needed to to get somebody there to pair with Becton to protect their new asset, Zach Wilson. Yeah. And, and in the mock that I said, I had him moving up. I had him giving up pick 66, which they did, but I also had him giving up a second rounder next year. So I guess it's better off that they gave up, you know, 86, I think it was yep. in the third round this year and then a second round of next year. So I don't think the price was overly uh, crazy. And when you have as many picks, I guess, as they do, this is what you have for, you know, it's, you know, their assets, you know, you can move around the board that way. Yeah, and, and thinking about this uh, this draft, too, one, you took Zach Wilson. You, you got to protect the guy. You know, it's it's one thing you didn't do for Darnold, Sanchez, all these guys. You, you just haven't been surrounding them with good enough talent. So giving up two-thirds to get, you know, a top 15 player, I think, is a smart move, especially with this draft in general. There wasn't a lot of information out there, not a lot of medical information. So well, if you're sure on a guy, you, I think it's a good idea to, you know, give up two thirds on the more unsure area, especially in this draft, to get someone that you know is going to be good and is going to protect, you know, your hopeful franchise quarterback. Absolutely, totally agree with that. Um, so pick twenty three. So now, so after pick twenty three, I'm sorry, was, was pick fourteen? Then they had to wait until the second round, and they had pick thirty four. I thought maybe there's a chance in the first that they would slide back up again into the first, again, using these assets, you know, these picks as assets, but they did not. And they went with wide receiver Elijah Moore, who it has now been documented. They have said that, and you heard uh, Robert Sala on the phone with him when he made the call to him, that they were going to use, if if they stayed at 23 and Verrett Tucker was gone, they were going to use that pick on Elijah Moore. So, they were thrilled that he, you know, he was there for them in the second round at pick 34. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But how do you think, Eric, 
But then, heck, you can answer this. Well, how do you think he's going to be used in this offense? They have Corey Davis. Uh, Denzel Mims is going to be in his second year. As of now, Jameson Crowder is still there. And then you have Elijah Moore. So how do you think he's going to be used in this offense? I think they're going to use him a great deal in the slot, moving all over the field. You know, I see the comps, Steve Smith, Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin, you know, three, three of my favorite receivers just because of, you know, what they're able to do. And, you know, last year Mims fell to them after they wouldn't take a wide receiver early on. The fact that Moore was there in the second round was just unbelievable. You know, um, I wanted a running back. I wanted one of those top guys. And I know we're going to get to that running back that they selected in that fourth round, but I can't be more thrilled with Elijah Moore. Yeah, and it's funny because you mentioned Mims as well. And and between Moore and Mims, both of those guys in a lot of mocks uh, were projected as late first round picks. You know, Mims last year and Moore this year. So, uh, you know, it, it's, I guess they're very fortunate that he was there. Anything, uh, you know, um, at 34. Hank, anything you want to add? Yeah, I, I think it was a, a great pick. I think it was a steal. And when there was talk of uh, the Jets trading back before round two, I was like, there's no way with Elijah Moore on the board. He's just too good. Um, you know, Matt Harmon, the uh, reception perception guy, he has, he loves Elijah Moore. His his route tree is like unbelievable. It's like all green pretty much. And that's running from the slot. So he's going to have, hopefully, the advantage coming from the slot. It should be a nice safety blanket for uh Zach Wilson. And uh, yeah, I, I think it was a great pick. I was thinking the Giants might consider him at 20 um, when they traded back. But, uh, you know, I'm still happy with Tony, but I, I'm surprised that Moore fell to the second round. He was, I saw him, you know, the fourth receiver off the board on like almost everyone's rankings. He was supposed to be the fourth. He ended up being, you know, able to be grabbed in the second round is uh, an unbelievable value for the Jets. Yeah, and and they give them flexibility, so you know they still have some needs. There are still so, uh, some cornerbacks out there, um, and as free agency, so they could, if they want to, they could release uh, Crowder and save about eleven million dollars on the cap if they want to go ahead. If they really want uh, more to replace him right away in the slot, so we'll see what direction uh, they go there. Now I don't know if there's a need to release Jameson Crowder really yet, though. You know, just why get rid of another weapon for a young quarterback? You know, don't. No, I agree. Why, no, why I get rid of a good player when you don't need to? You're not stra- strapped for cash right now. Might as well just hang on to him for another year and help Zach as much as you can. Yeah, the only way I would I would consider that is if uh, you know, for instance, like uh, Stephen Nelson, you know, the cornerback who was with Pittsburgh last year. Uh, you know, depending because he's still a free agent, which is surprising. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league last year um you know depending if they want to sign him and they you know don't have enough now there is some flexibility or they could even restructure Crowder for that matter you know they also have Alex Lewis who they could release as well that's about an eight million dollar savings too so just some just you know some more flexibility that way um Michael Carter in the fourth round to me is an absolute steal as well and again Joe Douglas is on record as saying that they wanted him with pick 66 initially that was obviously one of the picks that they gave up in the first round to move up. And they were able to get him in the fourth. I think that is awesome. Eric, you mentioned it already, and I know you really wanted them to land one of the top three backs in the draft, either Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, or Carter's teammate, Javante Williams, as did I for the most part. But getting Carter, or should I say, does getting Carter where they did make you feel any better about that? A hundred percent. Um, they, if they would have taken one of those top running backs, it would have been a pick 23 or 34. Uh, obviously we know they moved up from 23 to 14 
and we know where they went with Elijah Moore. So they were able to add more. They were able to add Vera Tucker, and then they still got a guy that they really wanted and was high on their board in Michael Carter. Um, whether or not you know he's the answer, I know we've taken a lot of running backs in the third and fourth round in the past, and you know we have high hopes for them, but they don't always pan out to uh, to what the expectations might be. So I don't know where he's going to fit. I think the first year, you know, with guys like Josh Allen, uh, Josh Adams, sorry, and um, Tevin Coleman there, there's a lot of different pieces. I think it's just going to kind of be a committee type of thing. But as the season progresses, he's definitely going to get some more playing time. And I, I just think Joe Douglas absolutely crushed this draft. He put all these pieces around Zach Wilson. He's given him a wide receiver, a guard, a tight end, a running back. I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled. Yeah, I, I do. I do love the draft. This was the first time since 83 that they started the draft with four straight offensive players. And as Jets fans, we're just not used to that. You know, we're used to, you know, safety, defense, defensive line. So this was this was refreshing. Now, I don't want to get into detail on on the rest of the picks, um, but the rest of the draft, they focus on the defensive side of the ball, uh, starting with safety, Jamie and Showard who is actually the first drafted player to sign his contract. He signed so today. Uh, and the plan is for him to be that hybrid type of player that and expects to play more of a linebacker in this defensive scheme. Uh, they follow that up with another uh, Michael Carter, um, a cornerback. Um, it was, and it was funny because they mentioned, uh, they were saying that um, when the, I didn't notice this, but when they made the pick, the networks were playing highlights. When they selected Michael Carter, the running back, the highlights were, were the networks were playing highlights of Michael Carter, the cornerback. And Rob Salah like freaked out and panicked a little bit. And he's like, wait, 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 what just happened? What's happened? And they had to make sure that they actually got the right Mike Carter. But they ended up getting both of them anyway. Then they got uh, uh, Jason Pinnock, another cornerback, another safety linebacker hybrid in Hamsa. I don't, I'm not even going to pronounce this right. Nasirilladeen. Um, I, I know I butchered that, but uh, he said the Jets got a first-round talent, and perhaps that he would have been if not for a season-ending injury. Then they got another cornerback in Brandon Eccles, who has nice ball skills, and defensive tackle Jonathan Marshall out of Arizona, who had an amazing pro day. So what you see here is a lot of secondary players, and it brings in a lot of competition. So I expect the defense to be better just primarily because of Robert Salah, how he can get the most out of that defense and those players there. So they brought in guys that they liked who can compete. Uh, not, a, you know, not all of them are probably going to make the team, you know, or even have much of an impact. But like I said, it brings competition and hopefully you get something out of it. Uh, one more note before we get into the giants, um, a couple of players to keep an eye on that signed as undrafted free agents that could not just make the team, but also have an impact. Eric, you mentioned tight end, and that is Kenny Yaboa from Ole Miss. Um, and also Hamel Claire Rashid Jr. in Edge from Oregon State. Both of those guys should have been drafted, in my opinion. They were not. So uh, I think they're very fortunate to get those players. And Yaboa could be, at some point this season, the starting tight end for this offense. Does anybody have anything they want to share on those second or third day players, I should say. As far as the defense goes, you know, I'm fine with them finishing the draft, <clears throat> going all defensive. Um, I trust Sala with 
whatever he wants to do on defense, he'll make things work. He wants to move people around positions like they took that safety and they want to have him play linebacker. That's fine with me. You know, I trust that guy just as much as I trusted Rex Ryan with the defense, but I think Salah is going to be even better. Yeah, that uh, that Jets defense definitely gonna be a work in progress because they're switching from a three four to four three, and uh, you know, as a Giant fan that saw the switch from four three to three four, it was not pretty early. <laughs> There's, you know, you have players on your team that were designed for the different type of defense, and you're switching them, you're trying to mix and match. So it's gonna take a minute. So it's smart to you know focus on your young quarterback, focus on the offense, focus on something that you know it's gonna be, and then you know build the defense as you go. Yeah, I want to back up real fast before I go on to the Giants. Do we see uh, Michael Carter, the running back, as a featured back? Or do you think he's, you know, at least in the beginning, maybe halfway through the year, maybe it'll be eased in a little bit, maybe play third down? Or do you think he can handle a featured role? I don't think they're going to throw him right into it. No. I think it's uh, Tevin Coleman's job probably to start, and they'll use him sparingly. But, you know, depending on how he plays, a lot can change. And, Coleman is injury prone. Josh Adams, you know, he's Ty Johnson. not somebody who's been played for a very long time. Yeah. Ty Johnson too. Like these are, you know, guys that have kind of bounced around a little bit. Yeah. And it, yeah. It is, if you look at, I'm sorry, hang on. I was going to say, you know, Michael Forrest from the Shanahan offense. So, you know, them, they, they, they mix and match running backs all the time. And as Eric said, Tevin Coleman has some injury, injury issue, uh, issues. And, uh, Adams and Ty Johnson have been more journeymen so far in their careers. So I can see it being more of a committee and then it could be easy path for Michael Carr to take over if he performs well enough. Yeah. And there's still a lot that could happen from now until then. Anyway, um, players can be released. The uh, carry on Johnson was just released actually from Detroit. Um, you know, and so who knows? I mean, you know, Todd Gurley's still not signed, not saying that they should bring any of these guys in, but you just never know. So, all right. Um, anything else on the Jets or can we move on to the Giants? What do you think? I think that's good. Bring me the Giants. Yes. All right. <laughs> that's why you're here. On to the Giants. All right. So the Giants began the night with the 11th overall pick, um, having needs at offensive line, wide receiver, linebacker. Um, I'm on record multiple times on this show as well as uh, Fantasy Shut on Air that I believe that Slater should have been the pick if he was there, which he was. But I can understand now as I look back on not going uh, with offensive line in that spot. Hank, what do you think on that? So, I mean, in a perfect world, if I had my way, I probably would have took Slater just because, you know, we need to protect Daniel Jones. The, the offensive line was obviously an issue last year. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty. Um, but with that said, there's two reasons why I think they didn't take Slater. I guess you can push it to three. Um, first one I'd say is, you know, I don't think they're the Giants are really taking anyone that sat out a year, especially early. Um, and it's Dave Gettleman, it's Joe Judge. You know, they're, they're the type of guys that want people that want to play football. You know, they're not the type of guys that want people to sit out a year to protect themselves. They they want football players. They want, you know, guys, guys. That's, that's the type of thing point. they want, especially early. They don't want to risk that. that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so the same thing, like uh, Slater, Parsons, same thing. I don't think they were touching them. And, and on, on to Parsons quick, they have uh, the Penn State, you know, their defensive line coach, Giants defensive line coach was, you know, with Penn State. So he has a frontline view of Parsons. He knows everything about him. He was at the, the pro day with them too. And uh, if a former coach isn't signing off on taking him early, I, I'm okay with, you know, not taking him where he did. So 
Um, now that he's a cowboy, I'm kind of hoping that he's not good. Um, but um, he was somebody yeah. I mocked there almost all offseason, though. Yeah, he's. I mean, this is if it's the old Giants regime, you know, from like 15 years ago, and Ernie Acorsi, like we're taking Parsons. We that was Penn State. You, we took everyone from Penn State. We signed, you know, Kerry Collins as a free agent. You know, Penn State. That we had that Penn State Lamar uh, Lavar Arrington. We took, you know, free agent flyer on him after injury. Penn State guy. That's old Giants. New Giants. Uh, they seem to do a little bit more work and a little more uh, careful with who they pick, and not just picking from schools. I guess besides Georgia, I guess you can say the Giants always pick from Georgia now. But <laughs> yeah, another reason why I don't think they would take Slater is because uh, they took three offensive linemen last year. So mm-hmm. like last year's draft was a clear focus on offensive line, um, and I think they want to let these young guys play. You know, they they got to give them a chance. You can't give up on guys after one year. They took. Andrew Thomas, four overall, obviously. So he's, you know, locked in a left tackle. They took Matt Parrott from at in the third round and they took him at, that was a Joe judge pick. That was his guy. He wanted, cause he has the long arms, developmental pick. We're going to develop him. And then, you know, the goal is for him to start this year. So I think he has the inside track to start. And then, you know, we're, we're not really sure Slater can play guard. You know, right. it's more projection. That's what everyone's saying. He can do just cause he has you know, a little bit tiny arms, but it, I don't know if you can really do that. You shouldn't really, you know, put it all together. A guy that sat out a year, a guy that would have to move positions. That's not really something you want to risk with 11, especially when Gettleman's job's literally on the line. So I can see why they didn't pass him in perfect world. I would have took Slater just because I just want to protect Jones. You know, I can't have him under pressure running for his life, getting hurt again. I, I can't have that. So, um, should I really put in faith that, you know, the giants coaching can actually coach up these kids, you know, uh, Duke, uh, Man- Manny Weather from, uh, you know, it was like the offensive lineman guru. Um, he was on uh, the Jordan Ronan podcast uh, and he um, he was saying that he he actually really likes the Giants offensive line. They're all young. They just need coaching. They, they just need coaching. So they just got a new coach from uh, Louisiana Tech, Rob Sale, and he's supposed to be a very important piece. You know, Duke was loving him, saying he's a great coach, great mentor for kids. He's going to make the line better. So you know, we're hoping that judge and sale and this team can make the offense line better. If they can make, you know, two of the three good, then you have a pretty good start for your offense line. You have a pretty solid line with gates in there. You're pretty sold on too. So hopefully, uh, you know, they made the right decision passing on Slater. You also have to, I mean, Nate Solder's going to be back this year. So you should be moving Andrew Thomas over to the right tackle where he's expected to, he was expected to play last year as a rookie. So that should help because it's not going to be as much pressure on him. I, I think they only were going to put Thomas there as a kind of a, like a segue in. They're going to let him start there and ease in there. You know, it's not the same anymore. Left tackle is still important because it's the blind side, but it's not, you know, the best pass rusher doesn't go on the left side of the line, you know, and it's, you know, you have your Von Miller's coming from the right side. You have all these people coming from both and all sides. So you can't really just say that, you know, He's going to be left tackle, but I think that was the plan from the start. And then once Solder opted out, they kind of, you know, were forced. Their hand was forced. They had to move him there. But I think that's always been his position from the start. That was their plan. Um, if Solder played last year, uh, Thomas would have played right tackle, and then he Solder probably would have been cut this year. And then, okay. you know, would Andrew Thomas would be back at left tackle? It'd be nothing to worry about. Um, because Solder opted out, we, you know, couldn't cut him because it was so much dead cap and all the money got pushed. Luckily, he was able to restructure, save us some money, you know, let us sign. Galladay and Jackson and all these fun guys. So um, 
What about Will Hernandez? Is he officially a bust or what? I mean, he was a second round pick in 2018, so it's still still early. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty fair to say he's a bust. He was you know taken with Saquon. You know, Saquon was the two pick, and uh, Will Hernandez was the 34 pick. Same spot. You guys got Elijah Moore. So you know, with that expectations, you're pretty much a first round pick that early in the second round. That uh, he was supposed to be. I, I don't know if you remember back then. He was supposed to be like the can't miss guard. Like you got to get mm-hmm. this guy late first, early second. He's going to be the real deal, and he just hasn't lived up to he, that yet. He, he was the Vera Tucker of the 2018. Yeah, game. yeah, exactly. And this, and he just hasn't done it. I mean, last year was rough, but he also got COVID, and after COVID, he came back, and I don't think he was really himself yet. He didn't get a starting job back, and he couldn't get it back from Shane Lemieux, which you know I have hopes for, but Shane Lemieux was like the absolute worst on PFF of pass blocking guards. Like he was, yeah. he had like a couple games with a 0.0 rating. That's how bad he was that's pretty at bad. pass blocking. So if Will Hernandez can't beat out that, um, that's, that's not a good sign. Um, so I'm thinking maybe it was COVID cause he had COVID and he was out a while and then he lost a job. So some people, if they actually get it are a little, you know, phased from, I can't really breathe too easily. So we'll see. I think Will Hernandez is, you know, on track to be the right guard. Um, Duke Manyweather was saying that Will Hernandez has been working at right guard. So um, I think he's going to be right guard when using the left guard. And uh, we're just going to keep our fingers crossed that they don't stink. Like you said, let these guys, you know, let these guys play together. You know, they don't improve together. Um, And I think, I think it's going to be an improved offensive line. So it's clear that I think the Giants plan going in was wide receiver, because as soon as the Eagles traded up to get Devonta Smith, which was probably, um, you know, the third receiver on their board. Of yeah, I wasn't happy about that. Yeah, not many Giants fans were. Uh, <laughs> the know, enemy man. of my enemy is my friend, stupid Cowboys and Eagles. I yeah, hate those guys. You guys are talking about conspiracy theories that they, you know. I hate them so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't conspire against you. Uh, no, but, they just hate us. They clearly hate us more than they hate each other, and that's <laughs> annoying. So, all right, so Devonta Smith went off the board. Um and then the Giants, for the first time, Dave Gettleman, first time ever, traded back, right? And in fact, he did it a couple of times in this draft. But so he traded back. Tell us what you think they were going to do, and are you happy with Cadavers uh, Tony at number twenty? Honestly, I was uh, surprised that for um, everything they did <laughs> throughout the draft, really, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman was zero for fifty-four ever in trading down, and that's every single round. He's never done it. Period. And the fact that they did it from 11 to 20 in the first round, um, I think it, it was an absolutely home run, honestly. They uh, got a future first round pick, future fourth round pick, and they got a fifth round pick, which they used to move up early, uh, later in the draft, in uh, this draft. Um, and it, I think it was just a great process. They actually did for once. You know, the Giants forever have always been that team that focuses on one person. They're locked in on them. If someone jumps in front of them, steals them, they kind of are reeling, don't know what to do. They panic, you know, see Eli Apple when Conklin and Floyd went before. So um, the fact that they actually, you know, were able to maneuver like on the spot and not just sit there, you know, like sitting on their hands, like not knowing what to do. was a great sign. I think that's also a sign that uh, Joe Judge has a huge influence on what the Giants are doing now. Um, he should. You know, judge, judge. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say he should. He should have more of an influence than Gettleman, honestly. Yeah, he uh, and, you know, uh, judges from the Belichick tree. So, you know, what the Patriots do, they trade all the time. They trade back all the time. They trade up if they need to. They do everything. They're always moving, always thinking, always reacting instead of, you know, having a set plan. Um, and the fact that they actually did that was great. They got the extra first 
for 2022, which was amazing, uh, especially from a Bears team, which they've been hovering around eight and eight, you know, mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. They're a good team, but, you know, they start in Dalton for a little longer than they should, or Fields has hits a rookie wall, something like that. There's a chance it could be a really good pick. That it could that could be a top five pick. It, it honestly, it's it honestly possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so were you surprised or would you have rather him gone in a different direction that receiver? Or are you okay with Tony there? Um, it, it was clear that they wanted this type of player to me. I mean, I wouldn't have taken Tony. And to be honest, I didn't do much research into Tony. I didn't think he'd be there for the Giants second round pick. And I thought there was no way we're taking an 11, which obviously they didn't. Um, so I really wasn't really expecting it. So when the calls announced it was him, I was you know shocked. I didn't really expect that to happen. But I, I think they wanted this type of player. You know, he's not just set into role like, all right, he's going to be a slot receiver. He's going to be an outside receiver. This is a guy that can do everything. He's the best comp I've seen from everything I've watched and just watching these players is Percy Harvin. Um, yeah. It's just coincidence that they're both from Florida. Mm-hmm. But um, he he's going to be, you know, a punt return. He's going to be a kick return. He's going to be working on a slot. He's going to be on the outside. He's going to be doing, you know, jet sweeps. He's going to be doing screen plays. He's going to, he was a high school quarterback. He might do a little, you know, trick plays with him. So he's as much as, People say he's a gadget player. I wouldn't say he's fully a gadget player. I think that's a benefit of him. I think he's good enough to be, you know, a slot receiver that you can use for a while. A player you can just give the ball to and watch him make moves, you know, like a receiving Alvin Kamara, more or less. Mm -hmm. That, you know, maybe, I mean, anywhere near as good as Alvin Kamara would be amazing pick. I don't think he's going to be that good. But the fact that, you know, he's good balance, he can catch the ball well, he can break tackles even for a small guy is something that, uh, you don't see often. So I think it was a smart pick. Um, and it, uh, honestly, I thought from my perspective, I thought the giants were going to take Aziz Ojolari at 20. I really thought that was the move, you know, like trading back, you know, fine. We need a pass rusher. Let's just take one of the good ones. You know, Quiddy pay was still there. I was like, we have our options of any pass rusher. Let's just take mm-hmm. one. And they went receiver. They clearly wanted a receiver, like you said earlier. So that's, uh, the fact that they were able to go from 11 to 20, get a future first round pick, and still get their number four receiver because there was no receivers taken from 11 to 20. Right. So the fact that they were able to get all this capital and still get the guy they wanted or they liked next best is uh, an absolute win in the process they had, which is uh first time I've been able to say that in a while. And it yeah, feels good yeah. to say that. <laughs> and then they trade back again in a second from 42 to 50 and they get Aziz Adjulari who, who could have gone in the first. I know a lot of people actually mocked him to the Jets at 23 in, in a lot of mock drafts. So, they trade back twice. They get two players, and I don't think anybody, and I don't think anybody is complaining so much that they traded back. Obviously, I think that's a brilliant move. I think people might be a little were shocked by the Tony selection at twenty, but um, nobody would say anything if it was Adjulari. So if they went Adjulari at twenty and then Tony in the second round, it would have been like, oh wow, great, you know, great picks. So you know they got them both and they got draft assets. Um, if you look at like next year's draft capital, two firsts, one second, two thirds, you know, two fourths, and I want to, I'll bring somebody up in a little bit about you know, maybe what you could do with that draft capital. We'll see. But any anything on um, on cornerback because they traded up and they used one of those fifth rounds that they gave up. Eric, do you want to chime in here, or are you going to just let Hank do all the talking on the Giants? Oh well, yeah, I mean he's he's very passionate, so I'm giving him his uh his floor to speak. No, I thought um. I thought Gettleman did a great job. I mean, whenever you can trade back and still get two guys that you really want and acquire assets, you know, that's a win. And 
with Justin Fields sitting there at pick 11, the Giants were in the driver's seat. You knew somebody was going to have to come up because as we were sitting there watching it, Rich, we were just, please tell me Fields isn't going to the Patriots. Right. Please let him not go to the Patriots. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, that's the thing with, with draft picks. It's it's not a perfect science. No one really can say they fully know what they're doing. What you got to do is get as many shots as you can, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, that's what it's – the player, if – I hope he's great and I expect good things as long as they use him right. But even if it's a miss, it's still a win on the way they handled the draft and the process they took to it. Cause they're getting more shots to take, you know, later in a draft that could make the team better, you know? So that's, it was a great actual way they're doing it. That's what makes me think that uh, they're starting to phase out. Dave Gettleman a little bit, yeah. you know, he's yeah. 70 years old, um, clearly not loved by the media. Um, he's had a rough three years. No one's really been happy about it. Um, people have been calling for his head since day one when they, he drafted Barkley. So it's now four years later and he's still here that, uh, Everyone's a little uh, on edge about him still making our picks and everything. But it was clear, even um, in Dave Gellman's press conference, he said that when the Bears called, they called around pick seven and like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk when we get on the clock, blah, blah, blah. So the Bears called back up and Dave said, all right, yeah, I want to hear more about the trade and handed the phone to assistant GM Kevin Abrams. I think that's a huge sign of like this guy's slowly getting moved out of here. He doesn't even, he's not even part of the trades. It's like, Dave, you have to trade. <laughs> so give it to the guy that knows what he's doing. You know, like, right. so it, I think it's pretty clear that they're going to, my guess would be after this year, um, a forced retirement kind of where he's going to be like, Oh, I'm retiring, blah, blah, blah. But it's yeah. more of like John Mara, but like, you know, give him a little nudge. Like, come on, dude, we're trying to save face here. Let's uh, time to move on. Yeah. So after that, they traded up for Aaron Robinson, the cornerback. Um, I don't know all that much about him. They must have really liked him. And, uh, you know, I knew that they were going to add a cornerback, even though the secondary is a strength, because why not add to a strength, right? I mean, so that's if you can always feel a weakness, it's always good to add you know, to a strength. So that's what they did there. Um, any opinion on him, Emerson Smith, or Gary Brightwell? And let me be honest, I watch, and you guys know this, a ton on running backs. A ton. I don't know who the hell Gary Brightwell is. <laughs> um, when they said Gary Brightwell, I was like, all right, who is this guy? Because I watched nothing on him. Yeah, so I don't think he's meant to really come in and be any type of contributing running back. Um, they, the, the, the two six-round picks, Brightwell and uh, Radarius Williams, I think are clear special teams picks. And they both acknowledge it right away. Like They know that they're going to come and the only way they're going to make this team is special teams. They're not really going to be part of, you would hope as at least that they're not going to be a big part of your team as six round pick rookies. So I, I think they're more just like, you know, Joe Judge is a special teams coach, I think. And the giant special teams was not good last year. Um, so I think it was more of like, these are shots in the dark. Let's just throw them at people that we know we can use on special teams and become more. It's great, but that's not what they're expecting. Um, so I think it, it's smart. I don't think they're uh I really think they're, you know, going to do much this year. Or, you know, they might not even make the team for all we know. But uh, I think it was a good, you know, good shot in the dark to hope that they can help at least one of the teams that you have, you know, offense, defense, special teams. Hopefully they can help us make the special teams a little bit better. You just make sure you draft Gary Brightwell fantasy, okay? <laughs> I'm going to do it just for you. No kicker, and I'm going to take Gary Brightwell. Awesome. Um <laughs> I know I mentioned on, on the notes that we were going to say where the team finished in standings, and uh, 
we won't because it's way too early anyway. So I'm sure I'm going to have you both on. I know Eric, you are going to be on Hank. Hopefully you're on more often as well. So we'll be on before the season starts. So we'll, we'll ask that question then. So both teams though, I have a ton of draft capital for next year, which is supposed to be a very, very deep draft and more opportunities now for these teams to scout these players, go to the games, meet with them in person, hopefully. Um, so it, it, it's very good. So I mentioned the Giants draft capital right now for next year. Two firsts, a second, two thirds, and two fourths. Aaron Rodgers, would you make that move It was if it was presented? You talked a lot about protecting and, and Daniel Jones and taking that next step. Would you make that move if it was, if it was let's say, I'll throw a hypothetical out there. If it was both first rounders uh, next year and a 2023 first. So it's three first rounders, but really two years. One of them is like a bonus first round. Um, I'm torn. I mean, I haven't really thought too much about it because there's no way it's happening. It's just not happening. So, um, but I don't know. I don't think it's happening to Giants, but it's, it might happen. Someone's got to get them. Yeah, it, he might. If anywhere, he's going to go to like the 49ers or somewhere in AFC where, man, Denver or something like that. But um, I, I don't think they would do it. But it's tough, man. It, I try and think about like if Eli was in the you know, 0506, we would I trade Eli? But they're different. Eli was a lot, you know, his number one pick. We gave up draft capital to get Eli to begin with. And I had a lot more faith in Eli um, from the get go than I did do Daniel Jones. Um, Daniel Jones has shown the signs, but. Um, Eli was just one of the ones where I just knew, you know, you saw him throwing just like he makes mistakes here and there, but this guy is going to be a good player. Um, Jones, the jury's still out, man. You, we don't know, but I, but you do know what Rogers is. And yeah. He's, he's 37 <laughs> years old. Listen, right Tom Brady is 43. I'm not saying, you know, you, you could still get five or six years out of Aaron Rodgers. He just won an MVP award. Yeah, Tom Brady is uh, ruining everything for everyone because you, now you're thinking that, oh, quarterbacks can play to their 40s when, like, he's the outlier. No one does that. But Aaron Rodgers, as shown last year, is not slowing down. He's still just as great as he's been, you know, for pretty much his entire career. So, I mean, it would be really fun <laughs> um, getting Rodgers. And it automatically puts the Giants as Super Bowl contenders right okay. away. They're, you know, top three team in the NFC to come out. Um, so that, you know is intriguing to say the least. Um, yeah. So I just don't know if I do it though, because you're really handicapping yourself. You're really hoping that he can play three to five years. You're not really, that's not something you can bank on though. And to give up your next two years, entire capital pretty much for a hope and a dream is uh, a lot to risk. Yeah, I, I think so. Now, if they call the jets, I'm saying no, I, I'm if I'm the, cause Zach Wilson's going to be, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady combined. That's right. <laughs> so I'm telling Green I Bay. I'm sorry. I'm telling, no, New York sports would be brutal for me as a giant fan. <laughs> I'm telling Green Bay, yeah, we'll take Rodgers, but you also give us three first round picks for Zach Wilson. No, I'm just kidding, obviously. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. That's just, you know, his name, the Giants apparently are on his list. I don't know who makes up these lists. I don't really think they actually made a list of who's available, but. So it, I guess that will be interesting to find as we monitor what's going on uh, with that. It's, it's a story that doesn't seem to be going away, though. All right. Anything else on the Jets and Giants, guys, before we uh, head on to the uh, end here? Real quick. I don't know how they have a 17th game and don't make it Jets-Giants. Like, what do you – it was a layup. What are you doing? Yeah. Just give us Jets-Giants. What are you doing? That makes no – yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. And I keep forgetting about that 17th game. 
I, I was um I was doing projections a little bit for fantasy, and I was like, oh wait a minute, I got to project through seventeen games now. Who uh, who did Jets have the Eagles? Yes. Oh, huge Jets fan that week. Huge <laughs> Jets fan. Yeah. So yeah, the schedule actually comes out. I mean, they have the opponents, but the schedule comes out May twelfth, I think. Um. So yeah. All right. So that's gonna be it for the Jets and Giants. Um. But that's not it for the show. We, we're still gonna have a little bit of talk about, it, and we're gonna talk about. Uh, I think the game started. Sorry, Hank. Um, the Knicks, the red hot New York Knicks. I know you're both going to chime in here because you both, you know, roll Knicks fans here. How far can this team legitimately go? And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I, you know, it's, it's exciting what they're doing. It looks like they could end up with that four with the fourth seed that they have now and have a, a home court advantage for the first round, but they play every single night. Just, you know, they compete every single night and, and, I know it's one game, not a series, but how how far can this team legitimately go? I don't know. Eric, you want to start this good? The way they're playing right now, they can compete with anybody in the East. Not saying that they can beat them in a seven-game series. Um, You know, like the teams like the Nets and the Sixers. But the Bucs, I think, you know, I think they're right there with the Bucs. They just go out. You know, Julius Randle does the same thing every single night. You're seeing all these other players develop. Derek Rose, Rose is playing phenomenal basketball. You know, he's not doing the stuff he did. When what he a was steal he was, huh? What a steal yeah. there. We got for Dennis Smith Jr. What exactly. A steal. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's amazing. Like, you know, these guys just bought into Tibbs' vision. And, you know, I said it every other time we've spoken about the Knicks, you know, when they brought Thibodeau in, I knew it was finally going to be a step in the right direction. Not in my wildest dreams would I ever expected it to be the way that it is right now. But the team's just exciting to watch. And I definitely think that they can win around and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, take a second, a second round to like, you know, a final game and maybe even eke it out and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals if all goes well. And, you know, they're really playing their best basketball. Yeah, I think uh, they... um before the season started, I said from the very beginning, if the Knicks make a playing game or a playing series, that's an absolute win for the season. It's a huge win. And now they're what? 10 games above 500. They're sitting in the driver's seat at four with seven games left. Like it's beyond my wildest dreams as a Knicks fan that this would happen right now. And as Eric said, they're just fun to watch. They're, they're a good team, but they have the recipe to actually be decent in the playoffs. You know, they're, the best defense in the league. You know, they play great defense and they're an efficient offense. So it, that's a recipe to win. As Eric said, you know, with, with the series, it makes it a little harder to win seven game series instead of just, you know, one or two games. Um, so I think if they can, depends on what seed they get. If they can lock in a top six seed and guarantee the playoffs without having to do that playing, I think even if they lose in the first round, that's a huge win for the season. Um, and getting these guys playoff experience is going to be great. If they can push that series to six or seven or even win it in the first round, I think you're just – life is good at that point. You know, I think the Sixers and Nets are a little too good for the Knicks at this point. You know, they have the stars that the Knicks don't have, even though Julius Randle's playing like one. But I I think they can still steal a game or two there. Um, But I think they have a legit shot even if they fell to six. I think they could, you know, compete with the Bucs. I think they have a chance to push that to six, seven, maybe even win it. Um, they're more or less the same type of team, <laughs> the Bucks and uh, mm-hmm. the next good defensive, you know, hard nose, play physical ball, stuff like that. So that would be, whoever, if they play in that series, they're 
both of them are going to lose in the second round because they're going to beat the snot out of each other. But um, yeah, I, I, they're, they're fun to watch, man. They, it's, it's unbelievable what good coaching can actually do to you. You know, it's the Knicks have been looking for this since, you know, Jeff Van Gundy or we had that little stint with Mike Woodson and then they fired him for no reason. So it's like, it, it's just amazing to watch. And it, it's, you know, just all good at this point. This season's already a success, no matter how what they do the rest of the way. 22 wins. That's what Vegas had them at this year. 22 wins. They blew that out of the water. Oh, man. I wish I threw money on that. I know. <laughs> and Vegas isn't, isn't that wrong like this that often, you know? So, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with both of you. And they just signed, I don't know if you guys heard this today, um, Argentine star point guard Luca Bedoza. And they gave him, it's a four-year contract, 13.6 million. So this is not a cheap contract. And they're saying that he would have been one of the most targeted point guards on the free agent market this offseason. They got a head start on that because they have the cap space and they had a roster spot. I don't know all that much about him. Do any of you guys? I don't. I just was reading some stuff earlier. I know, you know, he's a star over there in Europe. And the same thing you just said, you know, he was going to be highly sought after. So to be able to get a jump on it, that's another huge win by the front office. Yeah. And he, uh, apparently he was the finals MVP for, uh, the team last year. So that, that's a good thing. No, he can perform in the clutch, but it's actually, you know, the contract on face value looks, you know, kind of big, you know, big investment into a guy that's relatively unknown, at least on this side of uh, the pond. But, um, it's really just a one year deal. The final three years avoidable. So the fact that the Knicks were able to, yeah, yeah. So the that. fact that they were able to sign him, you know, they they plan on he could, you know, depends on immigration and COVID protocols and all that stuff, but he yeah. could be here for the playoffs. I don't expect him to play in the playoffs, to be honest with you. You know, Thibs has his has his lineup. He has his yeah. guys at this yeah. point. So they're playing, but you know, they're saying that he could play summer league ball, he could play Olympic ball this summer, and then he'll be, you know, in line for training camp and compete for a roster spot. I think uh I think it's a great move. It's really, you know low risk, high reward at this point. And it's, uh, you know, changing the way the Knicks are actually thinking for once, you know, they're not just throwing money at, you know, all these all-stars hoping they come over here. They're actually trying to build a team and thinking outside the box and, you know, investing in their own team. So it's, uh, I think it's uh, a, a nice, uh, it's going to be a nice shot in the dark to hope that he's a good player. Yeah. I, I actually, I'm hoping actually that Robert Sala has the same impact I know it's different for football, but it has the same type of impact on the Jets that Thibs had on uh, had on this you know Knicks team where they could come out and surprise you. So um, yeah, we'll see. I'm 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 excited. Um, All gas, no breaks. That's the way Thibs coaches, man. So yeah. <laughs> I can see it. Yep. Um, in case you're wondering, Hank, it's one nothing Nuggets right now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, all right, Eric. Yes. You guys are firing Chili Davis, and what is this Diesel Donny nonsense? You guys are making up uh, hitting coaches now. What 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 is going on over there? It's it's all part of the fun. The polar bear is trying to have some fun. You guys fun. aren't winning. What kind of fun are you having? No, we're not winning. You want to know why we're not winning? Because of Diesel Donny? No, because we wasted three hundred forty-one million dollars. That's why. Dude. <laughs> This guy is killing me right now. I'll tell you and what. The reason why Chili Davis was fired is because hitting coaches aren't meant to do much. But when a player's slumping, they're supposed to be able to figure out why that player is slumping and fix that. And 
Lindor looks absolutely lost at the plate. Oh, Phenomenal on the field, lost at the plate. I let, know me, let me cut you off. 25 games. Let me cut you off for a minute, Eric. Eric, let me cut you off for a minute. All I keep hearing is about Lindor and how terrible he is and how such a waste of money. So how about this? Yankees, Mets make a trade. You guys can have Tyler Wade and a prospect. You can give us Lindor and all his money. How about that? I never said he was terrible. Dude, I would trade Tyler Wade for a bag of baseballs. (laughs) I am very concerned that New York is in his head. And it's happened to a lot of guys that have come here. And I just I've got these bad uh, visions of Roberto Alomar and Jason Bay. So we've been through this before as Mets fans. So. Well, because you guys are you guys are booing him after after ten games. Says the guy who booed Mariano Rivera in Game Four of the two thousand three baseball. Can you- Listen, don't bring that up because Michael came might be listening to this. So, and I don't it's it's I'm very happy that he follows me on Twitter. So I don't want to ruin that relationship that apparently we have. So, so, so please don't bring that up. I was booing the team, not Mariano. Okay, that's that's my that's how I'm gonna use that. But but like all right, so and, and and that's why I said when when he was offered and he said he wanted that extra whatever twenty million dollars it was in in the negotiations, I said it's a risk for him, and I said this it's a risk for him to accept such a large contract without even playing here, because New York is is different than any he's from Cleveland, right? So it's totally different. So I said he might not like it here. But he he get you know he he wanted to take the money now rather than hit the market when, you know when Javier Baez and Trevor Story and Corey Seager and Carlos Correa when when all of them were on the market at the same time he took his money now I can't blame him for that but he might hate it here right I mean who knows yeah you you don't know he wasn't too happy with uh with the booing he understood it but he wasn't too thrilled with it. Yeah. And City Field's not really uh, hitter friendly, so uh, it, it makes it a little tougher for him, you know, to uh, live up to that contract when he can hit a 380 foot shot to right field and it's right to the right fielder's glove, you know. So, right, yeah, he'll be fine though. He'll, I mean, he, he's 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 too he's far down now where I you might not say he's going to hit 300. He still can, but you know, I think he'll be in the 280. I, I really do. He, he, you know, he's a superstar and and he'll figure it out. I don't know. I don't think 30 home runs might be is going to be possible, but you know, he can still hit 275, 280, 21, 22 home runs. Might not be the year that you guys were expecting for. And he's a great defensive player, as Eric said. So, yeah. you know, you can wait for that as long as he's still giving you at least one half of the ball. It's like Mark Deschart yeah. when he was struggling. At least he was an all star first baseman, you know. So, yeah, he's, he's made more defensive plays in 20 something games than I've seen probably in the past seven or eight years as a Mets fan. So, I'm just, and I'm not worried about, you know, hitting 280. I just want him to get up to 200 first. <laughs> All right, so where is he right now? He's like 180 right now? No, he's at 157. It's that, it's that. Yikes. Low. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. He, he's he's going the wrong direction. Then uh, Giancarlo's Darren, by the way, Hank, I don't know if you see what's going on, but Stan is just on fire. Another home well, run. Saying, dude, he has like three times the amount of hard hit balls in like every team in the MLB. The guy's just unbelievable right now. So. He he turned those Yankee Stadium boos and he made it into into cheers. All right, I think that's it. Unless you guys have anything else you want to add about anything? No, I'm just I'm excited that uh, Hank's on tonight. That's exciting. Yeah, man. Yeah, I hope to be back more. And uh, 
it seems like uh, the Knicks are good. And James Dolan says, who else can I screw over and fires half the Rangers front office? So um, if you want to talk about that, go ahead. I, 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 I have on the description of the show, like, no, like, sorry, hockey fans, because I really know nothing about hockey. I know what happened today, but I know nothing about hockey. So if you yeah. want to go ahead. Yeah, apparently uh, James Dolan went in and said he wanted to fire Gordon and uh, John Davidson said, you're firing Gordon, you're firing me. And, uh, you know, Dolan, <laughs> he takes a challenge head on and fired both of them. And um, uh, it, it stinks. I, I just really want him to sell. It's incredible that he is now affecting both teams. He was so, like, hidden from the Rangers, and that's why they've been – you know, relatively good for the last 20 years and uh, the Knicks have been bad. And it's just like the, the two teams ever since 94, they're just not allowed to be good at the same time. The Knicks are good. The Rangers are bad. The Rangers are good. The Knicks are bad. It's just, he signed a deal with the devil or something. I don't know, but it's, uh, it's rough, but at least the Rangers still have a nice core. We'll see uh, how they proceed. You know, Chris Jerry, he's been, he was groomed to be the guy eventually. Anyway, it just, you know, accelerated a few years. Are you um, a Ranger fan? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I like the big brothers in sports, not the little brothers, like oh. the Jets down there is the Mets. Yeah. You know, none of those teams are the Mets. New York. Eric. Eric is all little brothers. Well, right? he's the Knicks fan, so at least he has one. All right, he's got the Knicks, yeah. Yeah, but. But, but he's got he's got, he's got got Mets, Jets, and Islanders. Yeah, that's, uh, you're, you almost got the Evan Roberts, uh, you know, grand slam there with all of them. At least you got the Knicks and you're a good one there, you know, so I don't have to hate on you for that, but yeah, exactly. Dolan's got to just keep his nose out of it. it it's, 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 I, I can't stand the man. I really can't. I, he just, and, and just all in all, it's like you said, he has to sell, sell them both. You know, just, everything he does, everything he touches, there's something wrong. Like every time he makes yeah. a decision, everyone's like, what are you doing, man? And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I don't know how, commissioners of both sports just can't force this guy to sell like you know make up something just get this guy out of here yeah no it, it's absolutely ridiculous uh all right anything else eric how's your burrito i don't know if you heard me you froze before yes when i was introduced when i was introducing you oh yeah i know i heard that i uh well you said that i froze and i popped back on so oh. i didn't realize my burrito made the show it did it did i said uh fresh off his cinco de mayo chicken burrito Oh, it was it was pretty damn good, man. I mean, it's, it's plastered all over Facebook, so I figured I'd ask you about it. Yeah, was no, it, it was it was top notch. It was one of the best chicken burritos that I had. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, so I guess that's it. Um, thank you to Eric for joining again, Hank. It was a pleasure. Like uh, we said, hope you can come back on. You're welcome anytime. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, so that's gonna do it for this show. Jets, Giants, Knicks, Mets. We talk, even talked hockey. So I'm going to have to change the description. Hockey when Hank is on or something like that. <laughs> hockey um, when Hank. <laughs> there you go. Hockey when Hank. Um, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app, as mentioned earlier. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, tune in pretty much anywhere. Um, for future episodes, we will also, again, the uh, basketball playoffs are going to be starting soon. We'll be talking a lot about that. It might be a little bit of a down period between, you know, for football, at least until training camp opens up. But we will try to get in as much more Jets, Giants as we can up until then. We've got to have a schedule play. prediction episode, right? we got to go one by one down Jets, Giants schedule and, you know, you predict do what's going to happen. You want to yeah, do absolutely. that? You can be part absolutely. of it? Of course. Giants 17 and 0, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we will definitely have that. So make sure you tune in, subscribe, and that's it. 
we will talk soon. Have a good night.